With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, this is, this is TJ Wilson, a.k.a. Tyson Kidd, and you're listening to Stu's Wrestling Podcast. You're listening to Stu's Wrestling Podcast, established 2019. Direct from the North Wales coast, his verbal skills definitely outweigh his wrestling ability. It's time for British Wrestling's Sharpshooter, your host, Stu Palmer! Warm welcome to episode 41 of Stu's Wrestling Podcast. My guest this week, we are back in the UK, and it's World Pro Wrestling owner, founder, Matt Jarrett. Matt has been around the business for many, many years, since 1996 when he started wrestling, and you'll hear all about that in this show. Great career. He then went into booking and promoting. He's the owner and founder of Will Pro Wrestling. He's done super clash events with some of the top talent from New Japan over the years. He's had AJ Styles. He's had Tanahashi. He's had the living Japanese legend, Jushin Thunder Liger, among many other talents over the years. So sit back, relax. This is Will Pro Wrestling's Matt Jarrett, who promotes a super clash event down in Cheltenham. Enjoy. Right. It's my honour and privilege to have on this afternoon for Stu's Wrestling Podcast, the promoter of World Pro Wrestling, it's Matt Jarrett. Yeah, how are you doing, Stu? I uh, hope you're well up in uh, the North Wales area, and let's let's get cracking. Let's lay the smack down, baby. <laughs> yeah, man. Thank you. Uh, I'll say this a lot to you. Thanks for sparing the time coming on, Matt. I appreciate it. You know, no problem. you on the UK scene. You know, you're well known, and I just I appreciate it, man. You've done it for a number of years. So, yeah. Um, how have things been during lockdown? I, I, I normally go chronologically, but I'm going to start with that. We'll, we'll start with that first because it's you know current and topical. Uh, yeah, everything's been um, okay. Well, not really. In the beginning, well, I work part-time in the hospital as a, a cleaner, just doing some work at the hospital. So when we talk about lockdown, so about four o'clock, I can leave the house and I go and do my job till 10 o'clock and then I come back home. I have been following the regulations. Uh, you know, I, I don't think uh, 
people can blame the government as human beings, as men over the age of 18. If people are saying stay in, it's quite simple. It's not hard. Stay in. Simple. Um, I've been exercising out in the back garden. I've had some, I've brought some dumbbells and stuff like that. You know, before the lockdown, uh, I've got a stepson who's 11 years old and we find out he had type 1 diabetes and we never knew he had type 1 diabetes and he, and he actually was in the hospital in the recess and we didn't know how close it was to actually he could have been meeting his maker so with this lockdown once it started coming in we me and my girlfriend my, my fiance now um we've really had to be strict because you know her son's got this type 1 diabetes and you know, so really we had to follow everything because we didn't want anything ha to happen. So, you know, we, we had to take it very serious at the beginning. Oh, so I'm, I'm just glad he's got through it, man. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's kicked out. He's, he's yeah. back to his normal ways, playing on the PlayStation and, uh, you know, using uh, funny languages, which young kids should not use. But, you know, in this Fortnite game, I tell you, I wish I promoted Fortnite. I'd be a millionaire. But still... <laughs> you know, I'm a wrestling promoter, not a Fortnite promoter. <laughs> when did you first start watching wrestling? It's always my first question, this, Matt. Well, I'm, I'm 40 years old, so uh, wrestling was still on the telly when I was born. I was born in 1979, so I started my first memory of actually watching wrestling was I used to watch it on a Saturday afternoon. Um, uh, my dad's from Jamaica originally but came to England in 1960. But my dad actually lives in Brixton, and I don't know if you knew, but back in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, Dale Martin's joint promotions used to run, and their offices were in Brixton. So going about all this, I used to go sometimes every Saturday, every, every, every so often we would go to a special cafe in, in Brixton, on the Brixton High Street. And in this high street, in this, this calf, there was always like, I know you've watched film like Barbershop and all the old black movies where people go and have their hair cut. Well, in, in this cafe were all the pictures of wrestlers. It wasn't boxers. It was wrestlers. And there was Big Daddy. And I used to ask my dad, I said, Dad, who's this? And he would tell me. And so I started getting intrigued with wrestling when I was very young. And I would say, oh, eight, eight, about eight, eight, no. Yeah, six or seven or eight, that sort of age, I started watching wrestling on television. And uh, when I was about 11, my mum took me to Cheltenham Town Hall. And then I started seeing Rollerball Rocco, Marty Jones, Danny. I, I mean, you name it, I saw. I mean, I saw PN News the first night he came to England. He made his, I think he had his first match in Cheltenham Town Hall. So I was there when Big Paul had his first match in the UK. Actually, Paul worked for me later on but um, this is before I even dreamt of becoming a wrestler or, or training to be a wrestler and, and, and it's funny now that watching back then all these guys 20 years time these guys would actually work for me so it, it's, it's crazy really and, and I've promoted in the same town hall twice so it's it's been kind of loops and roundabouts for me if you know what I mean that, that's, that's awesome that it's gone full circle with the booking of the guys that's cool yeah. I like that which guys did you gravitate to? Obviously, you've talked about some of the classic British guys from the world of sport. Which guys? Which guys? Yeah, yeah. Like I think watching? I um, when when I first went to the town hall to watch wrestling as a kid, the two guys that really st stick out to my mind now 
first would be Danny Collins, obviously from the southwest of England. He's Bristol, I'm Cheltenham. And we have become great friends. And later in this interview, I'm sure you're gonna that's gonna come up. Um Danny, I always was intrigued by an Irish wrestler called Tony Stewart. Can you remember him? He, he used to always run up the ropes, do like this somersault comeback in one, two, three. And I always loved loved him. And uh I I spoke the Liverpool lads, Robbie and Dot Dean. And uh, the first wrestler I actually spoke to in person was a guy called the British Bushwhacker, Frank Casey. So, <laughs> and I asked him, I said, why haven't you got a real chicken when you've got a rubber chicken? So, uh, yeah, it was, yeah, I, I yeah. But th- I would say Danny, and, and there was another wrestler who, who I followed for years and years. is a guy called Johnny Smith. I, I don't know if you know Johnny Smith. Um, I'm trying to be obviously a, a lot of the guys I can remember, but I was I was a bit I'm a bit younger than you, just just only uh, younger. Johnny Smith tagged up with Dynamite Kid after uh, he'd had to split up with uh, David Boy. Right, okay. And he wrestled for he, he mainly. I mean, yeah, he wrestled over here, but he went over to Calgary, and then he went toward Japan, and then I would say around about ninety one, ninety two period when. Dynamite was still wrestling over here after his career was over. I would say Johnny used to come over and maybe do a couple of tours with, uh, and they would wrestle as the Bulldogs. And I obviously used to see Johnny Smith quite a lot because you, back in those days, you used to put it in the magazines, which you could buy at the shows. Johnny Smith, the British Bulldog, David Boy Smith's younger cousin, or something like that, and you believed it. So, you know, Johnny Smith was one of the the big wrestlers I used to enjoy watching. What, would there be certain events on the calendar, you know, like the pay-per-view, the pay-per-views and that, with certain events that you thought, oh, yeah, I've got, I've got to watch that. And, and even now, ones that you can look back fondly on when you were younger. Yeah, sure. I, uh, my mother, for my, it would have been, might have been my 12th birthday, October the 3rd, 91 or is it 92? I'd, I'd have to Google it. Uh, took me to the Royal Albert Hall, and I actually went to watch the uh, the Battle Royal at the Royal Albert Hall. You remember they did that, and David Boy, that was actually on my birthday as a birthday treat. And uh, my mum's a single parent, by the way, and um, so yeah, she took me to watch that. And uh, I can remember we stood outside the venue, and uh, the wrestler I actually met was Davey. Actually walked past me, and the wrestler who actually shook my hand and actually gave me two minutes of his time, and they came out the venue and got into the bus, but. The, the wrestler who shook my, my hand and really spent a, little, a few minutes was Kerry Von Erich, Texas Tornado. So wow. that's when I first met Kerry. Uh, I was probably about 11 years old. And then, you know, I, I used to watch the WWE. I think most people did at, at that sort of age. Um, and I would say I was a big Hulk Hogan fan. I, I've, I've got to admit, I was a, I was a Hulkamaniac. I was, uh, I was Bret Hart, me, Matt. I was Hulk I was Hulkamania. Yeah, man. Still, still to this day. Still to this day with Brett. Yeah, he, I loved it. Yeah. I watched, uh, I, I think, and then later, obviously, you know, I, I watched Shawn Michaels and I just thought, this guy is, is totally different, man. He's blowing the, uh, he, he's blowing a different style, man. This is like, uh, if, if Ice Cube was the beginner of gangster rap, Shawn Michaels is the 50 cent, man. He's the one who brought it in the club, you know what I mean? <laughs> Right, going to fast forward a little bit now. When did you start training in pro wrestling? When did that come about? Well, <clears throat> I actually started training to be a professional wrestler at probably the age of 16 and a half. And uh, to cut a short story 
to, to cut a long story, uh, I was getting into a lot of trouble with, with the police. I had been expelled and basically I had really only one path and it was going to be going to prison. Uh, I, I regret what I did, but unfortunately I was an uh, angry young man at the time. And uh, luck had it on my side. And, and sometimes I say that sometimes there is a little angel in your, in your corner and, you know, some things happen for a reason. I found wrestling. I originally found it through a guy called Mad Eli Collins. I don't know if you knew Mad Eli. That's actually Danny and Peter Collins's uncle. He used to wear badges. And he told me about a wrestling school in Trowbridge, which was run by a guy called Gareth Humphreys, gangster and all that crowd. And I, I, I did the basics there, but then I met a uh, MC called John Short, a very famous MC in the UK. Uh, and he told me about Pete Collins's wrestling school in Bristol. And I put two and two together. This is Danny Collins' brother, Pete Collins. And I thought, if I'm going to have a good crack at this this wrestling thing, I think I need to go and find... I need to find someone who's really knows his stuff. And, and I went then and trained with Pete Collins for, I'd say, about five months. And then, you know, you really learn, learn your stuff from Pete. Pete was a marvellous trainer. Which guys were down there with you training at the time, Matt? Who, who was in there with you? Yeah, there was a guy called James Baker. I don't know if you know James. Um, there was a guy called Steve Michaels. There was a guy called Rob Wright. Uh, there was a guy called the Mean Biker. <laughs> there was a guy called... There were the two brothers, the Noble Brothers. And also there was uh, the Romper Stomper, who was like a national front guy. And there was also a guy called Ian Diamond. They were the main, the main characters that I, I trained with down there. Quite an array of gimmicks there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Um, right, I suppose the next question should be, when was your first match? Now, this time frame is so different from person to person, so it'd be interesting to see when you had your first match. Well, I'll say this. I, 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 there was a guy, I went to the Colston Hall, Bristol, and I actually met a guy called Bad News Dougie Allen, and he, he was... Yeah, he, he, he's, bless him, he's dead now anyway, but he used to run a small little show in Bristol and I just did a rumble. Never had no experience and I did a rumble. So technically speaking, I, I did a rumble for him. Then I did a couple of shows for Peter, uh, for Eli. I did two or three shows for Eli and then I started with Pete. But when I taught my professional debut, as in, you know, I, I, I do believe, you know, you wrestle it, these little venues, but you, you classes, I classes my professional debut when I started making a living out of this thing. I was lucky because Pete obviously had all the contacts, you know, being in the business as long as Pete and Danny had been. So I made my professional debut for, for a guy called Scott Conway. At the time, Scott had all the Haven holiday camps. So probably about 17 and, 17 and a bit, I, I started working then full-time for Scott Conway. And that's really when it all started for me. Who did you look up to when you were starting out? Um, what, wrestlers as, as in wrestlers I liked their, their work style and stuff like that? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, just guys that, like, were, you were in and around in your early start, like, when you were in the early part of your career. Yeah, um, I, would, I would always say Danny. I've always looked up to Danny. Um, I didn't know Danny then, but I've always looked up to Danny, but... Uh, guys I, I used to watch when I would obviously be at the shows myself and, and wrestling and, and these guys would be there wrestling uh, 
a guy I used to tag up with quite a lot was a guy called Big John Prater. Uh, Justin Starr was another guy. He was always tr tremendous. A guy called Jace the Ace. I used to have to wrestle him a lot. Uh, Scott Conway. I used to. I actually used to wrestle Scott Conway more than anyone else. I swear to God, I've took more elbows off that man than elbows he could deliver. I've I've had loads of elbows off him. Uh, <laughs> I, and then you know you 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 sort of move on and and then you know I I was luckily I I did a lot of shows at one time with Johnny Kidd and Blondie Barrett. So, you know, I'd look up to watch their way of styles, but, you know, I, I sort of adapted it in, and did my own style, if you know what I mean. That's cool. That's cool. I like that. I like that answer. Which guys provided you with, like, the toughest test in the ring, would you say? The toughest test, I would say, Jace the Ace. And I'll say this why, is Jace could go 110% every night, two days a week. Uh, two nights because then you used to do an afternoon show and a, a nighttime show and if you're on with Jason you have to go 100% and if you just started in this business and you're a bit unfit that's not nice so it would be hard he, he, yeah I mean he was never nasty to anyone never nasty to me never took advantage of anyone in the ring but he was yeah he, he was the, the bee's knees at the time I would say I'm going to scoot forward a bit now so I'm going to come away sure. from your wrestling career, you actually wrestling, and you began promoting in two thousand and six. How yeah. how hard was how hard was that initially starting out as a promoter? Then, well, what happened was is I took a, a bit of a break from wrestling, and I got into security, and I was doing security, and I actually um, wanted to do a bit of rapping as well, but I was never too good at that. So, um, um, basically, I I was with a girl. I I, I started dating this girl and this girl said I was thick because I had dyslexia and took the mic out of me because I couldn't read and write and I, I spoke to a friend of mine and I said look I would really like to shove teach these people that say I'm thick and stupid and stuff like that I, I'm going to teach them I'm going to show them what I'm made of and he said well why don't you go to the Prince's Trust and I said what do they do and he said they well they help people set businesses up I said what sort of business am I going to run I had no idea <laughs> and uh I went there and, and I just spoke to them and they said, well, what have you done? And I said, well, I used to be a professional wrestler and the bloke looked at me because I'm only like 5'8". And still back then wrestling, in 2016, people still thought wrestlers were big, huge guys and stuff like that. And I said, no, I, I seriously was a wrestler. And he said, if you can prove that to me, he said, I will help you set a wrestling promotion up. And I said, okay, I'll come back next week. And I, I went with videos posters pictures and stuff like that. he said I, I think you were a wrestler actually and that's how it, it all started and i promoted my first show at gl1 gloucester leisure center and it was just after the floods if you can remember the floods of gloucester yeah, when we had those were bad floods yeah it was september yeah and the main event actually was james ty versus keith meyer which events in the early times of promoting helped you the most what got your name out there what got the promotion out there a little bit well, the first show I ever promoted was an absolute disaster. Uh, I had no clue how to run a wrestling show. So the first show was an absolute disaster. Uh, the second show I ran, I actually got in contact with John Fremantle, who runs Premier Promotions. He's obviously been running shows for years and years. And I asked him for a bit of advice. Would he take me under his wing and, and, and teach me how to promote? And he said, yeah, of course I will. He said, you need a good main event, Matt. And I said, yeah, I need a good main event. I said, what do you think? And he said, well... What about Robbie Brookside? And I said, I haven't spoke to Robbie for years. 
uh, I, I hadn't. And uh, he said, well, I'll call Robbie. And Robbie said, yeah, he would do it. So I uh, did this show on a real but small budget. I basically had the old-style wrestling posters, like with the names on. And I went to BBC Radio and I said, do you know something? I said, there's a guy coming from WCW. His name is Robbie Brookside. I said he was on the Super J Cup. I said he's only here for a week. And I said he's making his, he's coming to Gloucester. And they said, really? I said, yeah. I said, serious. And they said, we're getting him in. And he came and did an interview for, for Gloucester Radio Live. And uh, the place was sold out. That, that was the one that put me on the map. That's amazing. Good, good, uh, good taking it to the BBC. Good thinking that, Matt. Yeah. Brilliant. Really, that, was, really that, was, that was the the start. And I also knew a guy who worked at the um, local media as well. So I think I had like a little press release and wrote about Robbie Brookside and th they put that in the press and there was a picture of Robbie and, you know, I think everyone thought Hulk Hogan was coming, but it was really Robbie Brookside, but it did its job. Obviously, I've looked through, I've done a bit of research, you've sent me stuff. You've had a lot of big names through your promotions, haven't you? Uh, just yeah, yeah. Tell us some of the guys you've had, like let the listeners and viewers know who you've had, because you've had some big, big names, man. Yeah, I mean, on, on the British side, I've had Robbie, I've had Danny, I've had Drew McDonald. Drew sadly had his last match with me and then sadly passed away a couple of months after. Um, well, about a year after. I've had Johnny Saint, I've had Johnny Kidd, I've had Blondie, I've had, uh, well, you name any of the top British guys, I've, I've had them work for me, Dave Taylor, um, and then if you talk uh, internationals, uh, obviously my first international coming over was Jushin Dundalai here, uh, if you talk about the 10, the 10 uh, pounds of gold, the NWA champion, well, Ricky Knight's a great promoter and I've got a lot of respect for Ricky. And Rick has actually worked for me and helped me quite a lot. But, uh, you know, I brought uh, Satoshi Kojima to the UK in 2014 and he was NWA champion and he fought Rampage Brown. So a lot of people forget that. Um, I've also had Tanahashi, uh, AJ Styles. So, yeah, I've, I've had a lot of international wrestlers. And recently I've had two Cold Scorpio, Kendo Kashin and Kerry Von Erich. Uh, no, Kerry, uh, Ross and Marshall Von Erich. So, yeah. How is it? Has it been tough getting hold of the guys and getting them on, or has it been quite quite easy getting them getting them to come on the shows? Well, um, the deal with New Japan Pro Wrestling was I phoned another promoter who was dealing with him, and he didn't want to play ball with me. So I found uh, uh, I found I actually phoned up Marty Jones, who obviously previously worked for New Japan Pro Wrestling, and Marty Jones put me in contact with Fergal Devitt. And Devitt then gave me the contact for Tiger Atori, who then I dealt with for New Japan Pro Wrestling. I think Tiger Atori is retired. The first time I was just going to bring Liger over. Originally, my first plan when I brought Liger was let's bring Liger over and Liger only over himself. But then I, Tiger Atori and me were talking, and he said, "Look, what about Kojima? You could have an NWA heavyweight title fight." at GR1 at your event and I said yeah I'll have him and then I got in contact with Harry and Chris Devitt and I, I still have the email off Tiger Atori and he said you have a very good show so that was that was a New Japan bloke saying you have a very good show and then uh, I got AJ through Tiger Atori but he obviously put me in contact with AJ's uh, manager Bill Brenz 
Uh, but that's how I got AJ really through Tiger Atori because Tiger Atori then said, AJ signed with New Japan Pro Wrestling. Would you be interested? And then I brought uh, AJ Styles. I had Tanahashi came with Liger. And we also brought Chris Bambi Killer, who was with All Japan Pro Wrestling at the time. He went on with Tanahashi. So we had sort of like the New Japan versus All Japan on. Yeah. That's cool. uh, awesome, and, and then, you know, once you sort of got that sort of thing out there and people know you've got those type of guys on, it's, it's very easy to get more talent because when you've got that type of talent, more talent just follows. How, how, are the, how are the super class shows been for you? If you could maybe speak, speak about them a little bit, just let the viewers and listeners know about them. Yeah, I mean, the Superclass shows themselves. I, I mean, the first one we did, which was March 2014, I think, which was Liger against Roy Knight. That was a brilliant show. Um, there was a lot of hiccups on that because I've obviously gone from running British shows or British shows, which would technically speak in world of sports style, but I just class it as British wrestling. Um and then all of a sudden, you've got guys like Jushin Thunder Liger coming in. And I think what happened was, is then you're, you're going li- trying to link then the world of sports style of promoting to the internet style of promoting. And the two, the two promotions are to- total different markets. And I think, I, and I do believe now, that maybe some of the internet, internet fans at the time didn't believe Jushin Thunder Liger was coming. But he was there. We had paid him. And a lot of um, some of the internet wrestling fans don't they 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 don't think that Jushin Thunder Liger and um, Satoshi Kojima came here before they started their careers with New Japan they came here to learn their craft so of course they're going to know how to to wrestle the UK style they know Danny Collins because they were when they were young boys and they came here they used to wrestle with Danny I, I spoke to to Liger himself when when he was with me and he said the best matches he had when he was in the UK in the 80s, was one with Rollable Rocco. I mean, their matches were, were awesome. The other one was Fit Finley, and the other one was Danny Collins. They were the best matches he had, and he told me that himself personally. Well, it says it says it all, Matt. A legend yeah. like him. That, that's, yeah, that's all high, high praise for our UK style, that is. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, the Americans... The Americans, I think, they, you know, they're, they're in awe of it, aren't they, even to this day? The big, you know, the likes of your Daniel Bryans and that. Yeah, I mean, you know, some of the, the Americans I've brought over, are, I mean, you know, Hernandez uh, won. Uh, when I spoke to Hernandez and he came over, we, we uh, got off, picked him up at Heathrow Airport. Um, we went up the M4. I don't know if you've gone up the M4. There's, oh, yeah, a, yeah. <laughs> uh, there's, a, there's a motorway services up there, about three, three stops up, which has got a Burger King. So we stopped there and started eating. And, you know, Hernandez told me there and then he said that one of his idols was Robbie Brookside and Danny Collins and I said well you're going to meet these guys tomorrow not Brookside but Danny Collins and he, he was flubbergasted and, and even like to, to the extent where we talked to Cold Scorpio and um, Scorpio went to Germany after he left WCW he went to CWA and he told me he said some of the best matches he had when he came to Europe after he had wrestled with WCW was with Danny so it speaks, it speaks, it's, I mean, even if you talk Chris Benoit and stuff like that, when Chris Benoit came over to uh, Germany, and um, Danny said this on a podcast, that Dynamite Kid sent him over and told him to speak to, to Danny, 
and introduce himself, which which he obviously did. So, you know, again, no matter what Chris Benoit has done, put that aside, he was still one of the greatest performers this industry has ever seen. That mum, I, I I agree, I agree, uh, yeah. wholeheartedly, one hundred percent on that. And um, you've obviously spoke to me prior to the interview a little bit. You were saying about scheduling the show in February. So the question was, what are your plans promoting into the future? Well, what's what's going to be happening once you can do shows again? Yeah, well, over the last, um, I would say about eighteen months, I really started. I thought to myself, I put it down on paper, and I said, Matt, if you really want to promote. You've got to put it all down on paper. So I, I really put it down on paper. The product I want to produce now is, I believe, is a product that I, I believe people want to see professional wrestling, hard-hitting professional wrestling. I'm not saying, and, and, and people get that twisted when I say that, I am not saying in any sense that I don't think a wrestler like Will Ospreay is any good. Will Ospreay is probably one of the, the greatest performers wrestlers at the moment wrestling myself personally as a promoter i don't like to promote that style of wrestling that's my opinion i i, I don't I, I don't know the guy will osprey so you know and don't say that i'm on twitter saying you know well i don't like you because i don't know the guy so how can i not like someone i don't know i just don't like that style of flip flip flopping and you know high, loads of high spots i just don't like that i prefer still the old style of wrestling so i'm putting my product together that I'm putting an old style traditional wrestling show together with the international names on and that's that's how I want to promote my professional wrestling shows cool that's cool man which guys would you like to get on shows that you haven't had already oh there's lots of guys I, I don't <laughs> really want to say that on podcast because you know five other promoters might um, start having a good idea I, there's a couple of guys in Japan that I really looked at. Uh, I'm good friends with a guy could, called Minura Tanaka. Now, I'll confirm I am bringing him over when the lockdown eases. I am definitely going to bring him over. So that is one guy that I have, I've spoke to, and he's really up for it. Um, I've obviously spoke to uh, Kendo Kashin over the last couple of days. I've, I've texted him to see if he's all right, because obviously he's just been let go by the WWE. And I said, look, if there's anything I can do, if I can give you some work over in the UK, would you be interested? Yeah. Uh, so I would definitely bring him uh, to Cold Scorpio. And then there's a couple of guys in the United States, which you know I, I've become pretty friendly with over the last four months, who I really want to bring over. That's cool, man. Thanks for sharing that as well. You know, obviously, you didn't, you didn't have to say. So yeah, I appreciate you saying who you're going for. And yeah, that's cool. Be good. Be good, um, be good for the fans when you put that show together. Absolutely, absolutely. In world terms, which guys do you think have a big future in the business as a whole, like worldwide? I, I, I you know, when when you say when when you say that, I mean, you know, it's with what's going on now, the COVID nineteen, and we can't say it's not happening because it is happening, and it is changing the industry which which we are in. Um, to be honest with you, I've I I don't watch a lot of wrestling. I don't put WWE on. I I don't. I have caught a little bit of AEW because you know it's on ITV and stuff like that. And I'm pretty. Their their product's pretty good. I I give AEW. They are running a, a pretty good product at the moment. Wrestling terms, I would say they're a better than the WWE product at the moment. 
that's my own option. So I'm after this interview and it goes live, we're probably going to get loads of WWE fans calling me a something or WWE lives matter. That's what they're going to say to me. <laughs> but um, but uh, New Japan again at the moment. I, when you talk professional wrestling companies, I would still say New Japan are the best professional wrestling company worldwide at the moment. And I would say anyone who is going through that dojo, the New Japan dojo at the moment, they'll be the ones to watch. That's, that's cool. I love AEW, Matt. Love it. Uh, big, big fan I of think, uh, Adam Page. I think Chris Jericho is, is he is uh, doing a lot of things which I don't think WWE let Chris Jericho do. Oh, no, of course. Yeah. Got, yeah. You're not stipulated by a producer backstage for one. Precisely. Free, you know, yeah. free reign on your promos. And, you know, it's more, it's more realistic, isn't it? You know. Yeah. And Pineapple Pete. What's that? Sorry. And Pineapple Pete, Shug, Shug, uh, Black Shug. He, yeah, yeah. He's now, and he wrestled for me. So Pineapple Pete, I'm, I'm kind of a fan of Pineapple Pete. <laughs> <laughs> he's worked a lot. He's worked a lot over here, hasn't he? I've noticed. Yeah, yeah, he's he's a nice. I, I mean, you, you could, I, and and I like the product as well as Major League Wrestling. Brilliant. I do like the the, the product. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I I mean, I I think if he could get himself sorted, and he's a good friend of mine, and I don't think it's always his. I don't think it's always his fault. I just think he gets a bad rap, and also I think he's sometimes in the wrong place at the wrong time, which can happen to anyone. But saying that, there's always two sides to any story. Teddy Hart, I think if Teddy Hart got himself focused on professional wrestling, which I think it, at the moment, the last two times I've spoke to Teddy via WhatsApp and uh, via call and stuff like that, Teddy at the moment is, is 100% focused on professional wrestling so you never know i mean teddy's an awesome wrestler i've never worked with him personally myself and i've never promoted him but uh you know i've had his cousin davy boy smith wrestle for me quite a few times so you never know something down the line me and teddy might work together or you know but there could be another guy who might you know he might come out and show the world that you know he might think to himself this is my time i can I can get up there and I can be after the Owen Hart uh, video on um, the dark side of wrestling. I, I think that's against put the, the, Hart, the Hart family back in the limelight. Absolutely. 100%. 100%. Turnbuckle TV is the home of UK wrestling on demand, featuring over 40 UK wrestling promotions and other wrestling related channels. Subscribe today from just one ninety nine and start your free one month trial now. GTG, often imitated but never duplicated. We can a brawl at the shoulder, narrow at the hip. No other promotion. Give us any lip. We the best of the best. The beast of the east. SOS. Simply out of sight. GTG. What he said, good times going to you. I tell you, I tell you one guy, obviously, because you watch MLW, you've stated that the, some of the guys. I'm a big fan of Mance Warner, and it's not. It's not particularly for his um, in-ring style. I'm not really into extreme wrestling myself. It's, it's the promos. It's the promos that hook me in. Um, love Mance Warner, Matt. Absolutely love the guy. I think he's, he's money. He's money. I mean, when you're talking about guys coming up the ranks, I mean, the new, the new, new talent coming in, I mean, you've got to look at Ross and Marshall, Bon Eric. And the reason why I'll say this to anyone is why watch them? 
it's easy for me and you to say, okay, I've been to a wrestling school. I've been doing this since I was 16 years old. I'm 40 now. So yeah, I know a lot about wrestling. The Fonerics, this is in their blood. Yeah. yeah. They, they were brought up, their granddad, their father, their uncles, their whole family dynasty is wrestling. And it, regardless of how many families there are in, in the wrestling world, you know, the Knights, the Hearts, the Von Erics, the McMahons, all the different families around the world who do professional wrestling, if you really look at it, still to this day, the royal family of professional wrestling are the Von Erics. If they're, well, they could be the Kennedys because of the tragedies that have happened in the family, which is unfortunate right. what has happened to them. And, and no one, no family deserves to go through that. But, you know, I, I see those two boys and I've spent a couple of days with them and I, I know their hearts and passions in this wrestling. I spoke to Phil Powers after his match with Ross and, and Marshall and he said he's never been hit so hard by anyone. These boys just like to fight. It's that Texas style and they just like to fight. <laughs> world, world Class Championship Wrestling reboot. World Class Fighters. Yeah. <laughs> Incredible, man. Um, just... Incredible. Um, aside from your own promotion, which which promotions in the UK do you like seeing? If you get to catch any of it, who who do you, who do you rate on the on the circuit? Which which companies in, in the UK? We'll keep it UK. Well, to be honest with you, um, if I don't, if I'm not doing anything with wrestling, I, I generally switch off from the whole business. Right. Okay. I do. I, I I'm into hip hop, so as you know, um, uh, so when my days go down and I feel a bit moody, and you know. Mental health can happen to anyone, especially with what's going on at the moment. I generally switch off to the world and I just come upstairs into my man cave and listen to hip-hop music and I just forget about the world. Over the last couple of um, months, I've been, totally, I've been talking quite a lot to Tony Knox, the, um, the photographer, the guy you've had on. And, and I, I love Tony. Tony is a... A real great guy, and he, he helps everyone. If he can help you, he would help you. He's just that type of person. And he's been um, sharing me different promotions, which I should watch. And I said, well, I'll tell him not really. And he said, well, Matty, you know, if you're going to start again, you've really got to see what your competitors are. Um, I can honestly admit, I've, I've watched this promotion called Fight Club Pro. Yeah, out of all the hunting. Yeah. Yeah, and I've been watching this other promotion that I... Uh, they they brought the Lucha Brothers, are they? The, the guy that does this. Yeah, yeah, Phoenix, Phoenix and yeah, Pentagon. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there was a promotion that brought them over for a tournament. I've been watching them. I've also been watching, and I got this from Kevin Sullivan. I've been watching a promotion called PCW Ultra. They're up based over in LA. Heard of it? Yeah, I've seen bits. And I'm also actually good friends with the guy that runs Great North Wrestling, Hannibal TV. Yeah, Hannibal. So I, I, stuff. Yeah, yeah I, I watch quite a lot of his stuff. But like, you know, if, if say a wrestler tells me about a certain wrestler, my girlfriend will tell you this and it does her head in. We go to bed and I'll have YouTube and I'll be trying to find out these, these different wrestlers and I'll be watching <laughs> different matches just to see if, if I think so. So at the moment, there's, there's a lot of great talent. I tell you, there's a good guy and a lot of people sort of um, don't... Well, they know who he is, but I, I don't think he gets the um, credit he deserves. There's a guy called uh, Ryan Fujiwara. Now, he's an Australian that's based in Japan. Right, okay. And... He uh, actually didn't go to Japan to wrestle. He went to Japan 
to uh, teach English. And then he got into wrestling and went through the Japanese dojo system. Wow. Uh, I'll actually see if I can get you in contact with him because it would be a good uh, thing yeah, for you to do with a, with a person who lives in Japan and stuff like that. But he's uh, a very good wrestler and he's not on, on like All Japan or New Japan. He's pretty independent, but he's, he's pretty good, man. I, I like his work. Tell you what, I do, I do like it. The, the product at the moment is the NWA product. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think, I think they're definitely. I think they they've got the right backer. They've obviously got the right backer because that guy's loaded, and I think that helps when a promotion's got so, a, a many man. If, if a promotion's got a, a man who's got a lot of many, you will go places if because you've got you've got no, the resource to get what you're looking for. So only I know obviously Billy's got the money, hasn't he? He's got the infrastructure behind him to be only running it as a YouTube as a weekly show. It's incredible, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And, and there's a guy on there called Elijah Burke. Do you know Elijah? Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, he's, yeah. He's a pretty good guy. I know him pretty well, actually. Um, we were going to do some business together last year in 2018, but something happened. But um, yeah, he's a, he's a very, very talented uh, guy. There's a lot of talented young wrestlers around at the moment. I think the, the problem is with it now, and and and... You know, people said it was a lot harder when I when I came in, which obviously it was because the business then when I started in 97, 98, 96, 97, it was still pretty much kayfabe, right? And, you know, I was pretty, I mean, they say about privilege, I was pretty privileged to get where I got because I had the right trainer, Pete Collins. That opened a lot of doors for me. Yeah. The, the problem with it now is, is... A lot of wrestlers who are coming through, they're going to wrestling schools or however they're getting into it. There's, there's loads of wrestling schools now and I don't like to, to make opinions about how people make money and stuff like that. But really, if you want to become a professional wrestler, you've really got to learn the craft right. And you've really got to go and learn by a professional. You can't be taught by someone who's only been wrestling for two years and he's had... 20 matches. You've really got to go to someone who's been at it at least 10 years. And other than his own promotion in his own school, what he's running, he's got to be able to get you the bookings at other shows. Yeah. Because if you're in Cheltenham or Gloucester, where I am in the Southwest, the Southwest has a style of wrestling. And you can ask the different territories guys and, and anyone will tell you this. If we're saying, so, so the Southwest, my area, it's got its own style of wrestling, the way we're taught. But then when you go up to Orrick Williams, the North Wales bit, they've got a different way of, of wrestling. Then you go to Brian Dixon, he's got a different way of doing it. Then you go down to John Fremantle, he's got a different way of doing it. And then you go over to Norwich, Ricky Knight, they've got a different way of doing it. Then you go up to Scotland, the ICW guys, they weren't there when I was there. That was Shane Stevens, enough said about him, but... You know, now ICW Scotland, they've got their own little way. If you went over to Ireland, they've got their own way of doing it. You go over to Germany, I've never been over to, to Germany or, or, or Europe and all those places. I've, I've wrestled European wrestlers, but then they've got their own style. And, and, and that's, 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 the, that's the thing. I think you've got to learn all the different styles. But I also think the big problem with British wrestling, and I always say this, and, and, and Danny said this to me, Quite a lot, actually. If you think about it, there's two countries in the world that have never followed the American wrestling style. 
One is Mexico and one is Japan. And they're still booming and business is still booming. And they've never copied the American style of wrestling. They've always had their own identity. And I believe we need now to, to keep our British identity of wrestling. We were, we, we still are the most classiest, uh, the classiest wrestlers in the world. We, we're known for the, the best style of professional wrestling. Well, if, if we are the best country with wrestlers, well, why aren't we using that style to make it go where it's, to make it go where it's got to go? Because I tell you what, if, if I was a, um, uh, an investor or something like that, I would rather invest my money into something that I could make the best than put my money somewhere where, all right, if you go to an investor and you ask for, say, I don't know, and I'm just saying this off, off hand now. So say I came up to you and you're a multimillionaire and I said to you, hey, hey Stu, could you lend me, um, I don't know, £25,000? And you'll say to me, what's it for? Oh, I don't know, I want to be a professional wrestling promoter. Okay, that sounds, that's pretty wide. Why do you want to do this? And you'll say, I'll, you'll, I'll say to you, well, I'm pretty good at wrestling and, and it's a phenomenal all around the world at the moment. That ain't really given an identity to, a, to an investor. If you say to him, well, I'm a British promoter and I thoroughly believe in the next three years British wrestling could be the best in the world, you're going to get a definitely a bit more incentive if you say that to someone. That's cool there. Uh, yeah, just give it... I'm with, I'm with you on that. Just to go back to obviously to Orig because he was local to here, you know, pretty much local. I've heard so much good stuff about Orig Williams. How how was Orig for you, Matt? Well, I I wrestled for Orig um, about eight times, but I spent a lot of time in North Wales, and I'll tell you how this happened. I went and did one summer season for a guy called Owen Sterry. I don't know if you would know him. His name was Texas Joe Savoldi. And he was like this big English... Well, he, was, he lived in Wales. And uh, he's the, t the typical person that eats chips on a Saturday, goes to the pub, has a couple of fights, comes out with his all eyes bashed up, and then goes and finds his curry and then goes home and gets in his taxi. Burps when he gets into bed and... Wakes his wife up and she said, what's the matter? <laughs> you know, the typical person. Anyway, Texas Joe Savoldi had this funny idea that uh, he could be an American cowboy and he had to be a blue eye for some reason. And he was wrestling guys like me in, in, and I was like 26 at the time. And I used to have a leotard with Union Jack on the back and, and had a jacket with Union Jack. So anyway, you know, he's the boss. So you have to be a whatever so I, I i i took the limelight and called myself the british bruiser and i wore gloves to the thing and, and i used to have um also a, a ray mysterio mask this is before obviously all this was going on before ray mysterio really went to the height. i had a mask and i also used to do a guy called firecat that was for Oric. And that's what Oric used to put me on is every time i used to wrestle at wales at the, the real town hall was firecat and one day, he uh, gives me a bollocking. I, I was coming out of the ring, and this kid came up to me and said, oh, Hi, Firecat, can I have your um, your uh, autograph? I said, Yeah, sure. And I signed an autograph and went in. Oric said, You stupid idiot, why did you speak? And I said, Well, he asked me for an autograph. He said, I've built you as a bloody Mexican, you idiot, and you're speaking this <laughs> <laughs> That was the first time I felt like what Oric was about. But, but yeah, yeah Oric was a cool man. He was a cool guy. I, I liked Oric. I've heard stories that Oric. 
you know, I've heard he could be a nasty piece of work if he wanted to. Um, it, different times back then, but Oric was always a good guy to me. I've, I've heard across, across the board, and I've ever asked anyone. Um, I mean, like, when I talk about wrestling promoters, you talk Oric. I mean, Brian Dixon, there's a prime example. Um, I've had words with Brian, which, you know, I think everyone has words with everyone, really. But do I hate Brian Dixon? Of course not. I respect what Brian Dixon's done. Um, <clears throat> there was an incident once, which, which I'll say now. <clears throat> I don't really want to go deep into it, but there was an incident where I got hit by a wrestler. I'm not going to mention the guy's name, but I got hit on the side of my cheek as I was leaving the venue. To, I'd done my match and gone home. Well, leave my match and I'm, I'm just about to go down the stairs at Bristol to, to go out to, to go home to catch the train back to Cheltenham and I got hit and uh, I got my bag and walked out and Brian followed me down the stairs and he, and he spoke to me and he said just go home don't worry I'll call you tomorrow anyway um, to cut a long story short James Mason told me that straight after that Brian went into the Jeff dressing room and, and sacked this wrestler and uh, for that, I've always respected Brian. Just no matter what people say about Brian, he's never been a bully and he doesn't condone bullying. And, you know, I've, I've done a couple of other matches for Brian. When, when Brian started running the, um, like the Yokozuna tours and all that, uh, I started working for Brian. I, I didn't want to work for him. I said, no, nah, forget it. I ain't, I ain't coming back. I, I don't need that. I said, bollocks this wrestling shit I, I, sorry for swearing but I said sorry for this wrestling shit I don't want to do it I'll do something else and he calls me about a month later and says oh Matt what are you doing tonight and I said nothing why what do you want he goes I've got a show in Gloucester well Gloucester's literally the city to me so I said yeah okay what, what time do I have to be there he said seven I said could I be on la I said could I be on first please and Brian said yeah sure you can be on first I said great I said so I'm going to come at 7.30, I'm going to go through the back. I'm going to go to the changing room. I'm going to do my match. And I'm going home. Can I, have, can I have my money on the table? He said, yeah. So I get there, and Brian says to me, oh, you're, you're on last. So I, I, I'm now pissed off now. I'm steaming. I said, great. I said, who am I on with? He said, you're on with Frank Casey, the British bushwhacker. And I'm thinking, great. Hometown, I'm on with this, this old guy, bushwhacker. Anyway. So I goes back and I start speaking to Frank Casey and I'm feeling again, you know, after all this, this has happened, I'm starting to relax a bit with me and Frank Casey, you know, as you do. And um, he told me, he said, oh, Brian's told me everything what's gone on. And he said, he, he, Brian really likes you, you know. And I said, oh, does he? And I'm thinking, well, is this some sort of rib or not? And believe it or not, but Brian then encouraged me for a whole month and I, I did a whole load of shows for Brian and he really encouraged me to, to continue so I give him that and like when I um, brought Liger over the second time Brian actually phoned me uh, we had we'd fell out we had a fallout about something and uh, Brian uh, Danny phoned me first Collins and asked me to phone Brian and I said well uh, you know and uh, New Japan actually phoned me and I actually phoned Brian Dixon up and I spoke to him and I said hi Brian it's Matt Jarrett how are you doing yeah, 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 I'm fine. How are you, Matt? And he said, Matt, I really want Liger because, you know, obviously the history between the two of them, I said, yeah, take him. And, uh, you know, he helped promote Super Clash 2, actually. So, you know, everything worked together for, for, the, for the, good, the good cause. And actually, when I went um, bankrupt, which I'm, I'm not ashamed of, and, and a lot of people did hackle me on the internet and all that, when I went bankrupt, 
But actually, it was Brian Dixon that actually phoned me up. Uh, there was three wrestlers, about four wrestlers, tell a lie. There was Danny Collins, there was Brian Dixon, who's not a wrestler, he's a promoter. Mal Sanders, and I think another wrestler, I can't remember the guy's name, phoned me up and made sure I was all right. You know, just, are you all right, Matt? Do you need anything? And, you know, and Brian Dixon said, don't worry about it. It's happened to me many times. He said, the unfortunate thing is the internet's around now mm-hmm. and anyone can find out anything about anyone. You can't hide anything now. No, no. Everyone's an expert, Matt, until they, but they, they've never promoted. Well, you know, the problem was, 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 you know, after, you know, the bankruptcy happened, it obviously, you know, um, they put it in the papers and everything. So some person, I don't know who it was, it was a fan. He actually went and put it on all the forms that I was bankrupt. He gave my address, uh, told everything that I was a thief and stuff like that. Uh, and I don't know why he's coming at me for And I, I have never said this on, on paper or I've never said it to anyone, but, you know, people go bankrupt every day for whatever reason. I had my reasons why I had to do it. If you're in a financial difficulties like that, it can't be helped. After that bankruptcy thing, I made a couple of stupid mistakes, which I know I made a couple of mistakes, and that, that didn't help my reputation, and I know that. But, you know, I, I'm openly and honest, willing to talk to you right now. What happened is it's basically I had a few mental breakdowns. I had a few mental health issues. But unfortunately, for about two years, not even a two years, I would say about 12 months, I actually hated everyone except for myself. I blamed everyone else. Mm-hmm. It wasn't my fault. It wasn't. Uh, yeah. It wasn't my. I didn't go bankrupt because of my own doing. It was someone else's. So if I had known you, it was your fault. It wasn't my fault. And then after twelve months, I um, went and spent some time with my sister, who sadly passed away about two years ago. Um, and she sat there with me. My two sisters were sat there with me, and she said, "You made this happen." Mm-hmm. And I said, "What do you mean?" And she said, "Tell me why did you go bankrupt?" And I'll say. It now on front of this podcast, how it happened. It was never the wrestling that made me go bankrupt. What made me go bankrupt was the lifestyle outside wrestling. So the promotion, that was perfect. When you don't come from money, all of a sudden you've got, I don't know, 14,000, 20,000 in your bank, then you can do what you want. You can start buying flash clothes. You can go for meals and stuff like that. And if you don't know how to handle money, that money can soon go. And eventually the problem was that I was living on credit and I didn't understand how to live off credit. If you understand how you can live off credit, it'll all be fine. If you don't know how to live off credit, unfortunately it will affect you and it, something bad will happen. And, and mm-hmm. you know, man to man now, and I, I don't know if you've got children, I hope, that the next generation, and when I say the next generation, not the 16-year-olds who are leaving school now. I hope the, the six-year-olds who are starting school, like my nephew, I start school next year, hopefully with the pandemic. I hope, I hope that Parliament eventually will put something in place that by the age of 10 or 11, they need to start learning about how to handle money. Yeah. Forget, forget all this business where, you know, you've got to learn about the Roman Empire and and Vikings and stuff like that. That's great. But at the end of the day, we need to learn three aspects. Cooking, you need to know how to cook. Two, you need to know how to wash. 
And three, you know how you need to know how to handle your finances. Those three things you can actually be a great everything else besides the point. These three things are human necessities. You took you took ownership of it though, didn't you? You know, you're saying you're blaming everyone. You, you you did you took ownership of it, and that was from what from the story you were telling me. Your sister, you know, explaining and talking to your sister. So that that was cool that you took ownership of it. Mate, it was that bad. I, t I tell you a story now, and I, I don't even like to bring this one up actually because I, I feel kind of a bit embarrassed now. But I <laughs> I, I nearly ended up in court over this one. <laughs> Lucky I didn't, because the person from that West actually called me, and uh, we had a long little chat, and, you know, that was really the time I thought to myself, oh, crap, I better stop this now. I found out, and, and I tell people, do not listen to what the press says, or, or you know, when you're going through bad things, don't, don't just switch off. You need to switch off and just get your life back to normal. I found a lot of, I found out, and I never knew this, about the... Uh, the involvement with uh, these big high street banks and, and the slave trade. Sorry to go on about this, but then I started hating the banks and I, I, really, I wrote <laughs> I wrote to Matt West and I said, oh, you owe me money because I was on your plantation. How can you make me bankrupt? It's your fault. <laughs> and uh, yeah, there was going to be a nasty battle, but luckily, you know, two humans came together and we, we, we shook hands and, Enough said about that one because I don't want to go back down that. Uh, they've got nice solicitors that are ready to write letters to you. We've had the, we've had the scoop there from Matt Jarrett. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Um, can you plug your social media, Matt? Obviously, for, for the promotion and, and for yourself, obviously, your, your socials, just for the listeners and viewers. Yeah, sure. I mean, the best social media to get me on at is World Pro Wrestling. That's my Facebook page. Uh, that's really where all the uh, information... I have got a Twitter page. I'm not really up to date with Twitter, I'll admit that. I've got Instagram as well. A lot of my Twitter and my Instagrams are all at Superclash 2017. But the best news to get me on is World Pro Wrestling. And uh, some information for all the fans. We are now when we start advertising for the next Super Clash, we're going to be doing all the ticket sales via online only. So I'm really stepping up. I, over the last uh, four months, I've done a couple of courses with like my local business hubs and stuff like that. And I've really found out that doing everything online, marketing properly, uh, really makes your business look top notch. So, you know, so yeah, we're going to be doing a hell of a lot online. Uh, over the next couple, about over the next couple of weeks, you're going to start seeing a couple of videos coming through. Um, yeah, this next super clash, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. Actually, I I don't want to give away too much, but um, at the moment, but uh, you could see some surprises happening. Mm -hmm. That's good stuff, man. That's good stuff. Matt Jarrett, promoter of World Pro Wrestling. Thank you very much for coming on Stu's Wrestling Podcast today. Yeah, no problem, Stu. One love. Keep safe. A big thank you to Stephen Ash and Ed Dowling for producing the track. It's Stu's Wrestling Podcast, The Theme. So thank you very much for that, lads. Much appreciated. Love it. It fits really well, so cheers. Thanks to you. Big thank you to Mike Angus for the show intro, as always. Superb, superb. Chris Dutton, thank you very much for editing once again. Appreciate it, buddy. 
And also to Lee, who does my website. Lee puts the stuff up on the website. Without you guys, I'd be screwed. So once again, as always, appreciate everything you do for me and the time you spend doing the things you do for me. It means a lot, guys. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.